All right. Well, good morning. Welcome. Um, it's good to, to connect with you today. I was on Zoom a little bit earlier, able to see uh, some of you, um, but it's great to be able to um, sort of you know feel feel connected through this today. Uh, we did have an in-person gathering yesterday. If you uh, weren't aware of that, that went well. There was you know thirty people, well spaced out in a very large you know room uh, sanctuary. So uh, we look forward to doing that again soon. I invite you to just keep your eyes out for the next date and uh, and pray. You know, pray that uh, the numbers continue to go down. Pray uh, we have a number of people in the church who are already vaccinated, so uh, that could obviously uh, bode well for for some gatherings. Um, so please pray uh, that next month we're able to do that again and maybe even have more more people involved. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can uh, grab it, turn to First Samuel chapter 18. First uh, Samuel 18. And while you're turning there, um, you know, I remember the first time that I envied someone. I don't know if the, you have this memory or not. I was, I was a kid. Um, I had a good friend that, actually my best friend that lived, you know, like four houses down from me. Uh, and he was from a very wealthy family. His family had a lot of money. And, uh, man, they went all, they went crazy on Christmas, like bought him crazy gifts. So, you know, I remember one year they gave him a, uh, a three-wheeler. Now, if you haven't been around, if you're not old like me, you don't know what a three-wheeler is, but, you know, somewhere in the 80s, uh, you know, Honda and Yamaha and these other motorcycle companies decided that uh, tricycles are notoriously stable. So um, let's put some beach ball-sized tires on a tricycle and strap a 250cc motor to it so it'll run 50 or 60 miles an hour, and, and that'll go well, right? So uh, it did not. It did not go well at all. That's why there are none left. Um, but that wasn't actually the first time. The first time that uh, I felt envy towards my friend Rob was uh, when, uh, you know, it was Christmas. Uh, it was Christmas Day. I'd often go over to his place after, um, you know, in the afternoon after my family had had our meal. We'd hang out and play with whatever he got. And uh, I remember uh, to this day, feel, uh, I remember him calling me and saying, hey, Bland, um, come on over. My parents got me uh, a computer. And so I went over to his place and sure enough, sure enough, sitting there was a new, brand new state of the art Apple IIe. Um, it, it was beautiful and it's light gray casing and box and keyboard and monitor. And, uh, I remember, you know, I'd taken a couple classes over the summer in computers. My family didn't have one, but you know, uh, I was, I loved them. I was very interested in computers. And, uh, you know, I remember when he cut it on and it buzzed and whizzed and word and, uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, on this, uh, black background, these beautiful green letters and numbers popped up. Uh, some of you that are older, you literally remember these. these. Uh, and I thought I had never seen something so beautiful in my life. And I remember just going home and like, why can't we have a computer? Um, you know, because I, again, I was interested, but I felt that it was funny. The numbers and letters were green and I turned green, you know, on the inside, uh, green for envy that is. Um, Envy has a way of sneaking into our hearts. You know, when we're not paying attention, uh, we look at something and we, we don't just simply want that thing, but then we, we become like jealous over it. We, 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 we uh, want it from them, right? It's not simply like, hey, that's a desire that I would like to have someday. It's like, no, I want it now. And I'm, it's going to slip into my heart and it's going to steal the way that I think about things. Um, and it can grow. It consumes more of our attention, our affection, and then actually begins to frame out. At its worst, envy frames out 
how we view other people um, and how we uh, interact with them. And this is exactly where we find King Saul in our passage today. We've been walking through this series on the life of David. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we met David. He was just a boy, uh, the youngest of eight sons. He was out shepherding in a field when Samuel the prophet came to his father's house. And uh, God had told Samuel that one of Jesse's sons was going to be the next king of Israel. And so he went there and he went through all these sons, all these older sons, good looking, tall, strong guys, and and, and ended up anointing. Anointing David as a boy, the youngest son, to be king one day. Uh, it would be years before he'd be king, but he was just a boy. Um, and then, you know, in chapter 18 or 17 last week, we saw how David went out when the entire uh, Israelite army was afraid to go out and fight against the uh, Philistine uh, champion, Goliath, that David actually uh, had the faith and boldness to go out as a boy and face this army. And so that's the context of of where our passage picks up today. We're in 1 Samuel 18, verse 5 uh, through 17. I invite you to follow along. And then when I'm done, I will say, this is the word of the Lord. I invite you to say, thanks be to God. Verse 5. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. So that Saul sent him over, set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistines, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry. And this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he, say, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, and as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but he had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. Then Saul said to David, Here is my elder daughter Merib. I will give her to you for a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, Let my hand be against, not my hand be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're going to see today how envy is easy, but it's costly. Envy is easy, but it's costly. Envy is not something, um, I do want to say as we begin, envy is not wanting something, right? It's not wanting something you don't have. That's not a sin. There's nowhere in the word of God that says that. In fact, you would never have dreams or hopes or even prayers, right? Some, Some of our prayers are for things that we don't have. And so God is not condemning that desire. What he's condemning is when that desire becomes disordered. Um, and, and we aren't loving God or loving the other p- person. What we're ultimately doing is we move from like desiring that thing to questioning God. Why don't I have that thing? I should have that thing. Um, and we're not thankful for the other person and, and their success and how God is blessing them or, or has given them things. 
Um, you see, she, we can shift from wanting something we don't have for, for good reason. Um, you know, I'd like to have this, this thing because I feel like it would give me, uh, I, it would be joyful for me to have it, but it'd give me opportunity to bless others, serve others, and love God um, as, as I receive that thing. Um, but it, we can shift very easily to wanting something uh, because someone else has it and we don't. Uh, we, we desire that thing. We desire, the desire becomes disordered. Um, and it, and, and, and what happens is we want that thing, not again, so we can love God and love others, but so that we can fulfill our own selfish longings. So then when we see someone else with that thing and we're reminded of that envy enters our heart, envy is easy, but costly. Uh, and I want us to see this in uh, three ways, the, the evidence of, of envy, the cost of envy, and then the elimination of envy uh, in this passage. So let's talk about the evidence of envy. The evidence of envy is really clear in this passage. It's, it's awesome that sometimes uh, scripture and a narrative will pull back the veil <clears throat> and not just tell us the actions that are happening, but actually the attitudes of people's hearts. And so God, uh, God reveals um, what's going on in Saul's heart at this point. And that's why we're able to see and understand uh, this, this growth of envy in his life. Uh, so Saul's mind and what happens inside his mind and in his life is a roadmap for us for how to envy. Uh, and the first thing that happens, and the first thing that happens in you and I when we envy is comparison. Comparison. In verse 8, uh, Saul says, it says, and Saul was very angry. So they, this is when they had marched in and David had gotten all this accolade or Saul and David had gotten accolades, but David got more. Uh, and it says, you know, and Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. And he said, they've ascribed to David 10,000s and to me, they've ascribed thousands. What more could he have but the kingdom? So comparison is the root of all envy in our lives. It is, um, it is a, it is seeing something that someone else has that you don't, and not simply being happy for them, but but beginning at, at some point to turn that into a mirror. So like you or you you take that thing and you you shine it back on yourself and go why why don't I have that? Um, you can't say I'm glad for them, um, you know. But you begin to ask yourself why did they get get that and I didn't get that? Why don't why don't I have that? Why do they have that? Um, and, and what will happen sometimes is we'll actually begin to rationalize and go, well, you know, they're not even a good, you know, person. They don't even, you know, whatever. And, and I try to be follow Jesus and, or I follow God, or I try to be a moral person. I try to be a good person, but look what happens to me. I don't get that thing. Uh, so Saul couldn't be happy for David's success. Uh, no matter how much this success was blessing Saul's kingdom. Think about that for a moment. David was a great military leader, or, or he was, you know, defeated Goliath, which was good for the whole kingdom and, and Saul and, and, as king. And then, you know, all the, all the favor that, that David had as he went out and fought the battles was a blessing to Saul's kingdom. But Saul didn't see it that way. He was used to being the center of attention, and so he began to envy as he compared the attention that David was getting with our, with his own. Now, in our world today, um, we maybe have more opportunity to envy than any people in human history, right? We we have access uh, through our phones, through the internet, to 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 a truly limitless number. I'm sure there's a limit out there, but it's a very high number of things and experiences and relationships that we do not have. 
And so all day, every day, we can open up our phones, we can look and we can see these things and be reminded of them. And it is so easy for that to enter into our own heart and become uh, envy as we look at someone's success, their, their beauty, their power, their, their possessions. Um, and there are entire media outlets dedicated to these people, right? These people that we should envy, people who have a beauty, people who have success, who have power and all the and influence. And, and it's about, you know, what they wore for, uh, when they went out for lunch with their boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. And it's about, um, all these things about their lives. And what do people do? They then take that and they interact about it. Oh, I like that. I didn't like that. Oh, that was beautiful. She's so pretty. He's, you know, he's so, so successful. He's such a great athlete. Or we, and, and we as a culture kind of feed on that, right? And it's no wonder that envy creeps in in the middle of that. As we are not meant to dwell on other people like that. We're not meant to obsess over what other people have and idealize and idolize what they have. In one sense, social media is a giant experiment in envy. Uh, it can be a good way to keep up with your friends, a good way to keep up with, with news and, and, um, and, and, and people that you respect. Uh, but it can also very subtly and very easily slip into envy. One article I was reading this, way, uh, this week was talking about the research showing that excessive use of social media gradually erodes our attention and shifts it from rewarding activities like expressing our creativity and doing deep work to comparison, envy, and status anxiety. Ask yourself, does, does your interactions on social media or online, period, does it, does it foster any sort of sense of envy uh, in your heart? Um, because what you're doing in that moment is comparing yourself to that other person and saying, why shouldn't I have that? They have that. I wish I had that. Um, and, and so then the next step we see in this passage is, dis, is a distorted view. Out of comparison, which is the root and sort of foundation, is a distorted view of that other person. It says in verse 9 that Saul eyed David from that day on. So he went from comparison, he went from comparing himself to Saul to now, now everything he saw in Saul, the way he looked at Saul, the lens that he looked at, or Saul looked at David through, is, is this lens, a uh, uh, distorted lens that, of envy. It began to frame out Saul's entire understanding and view of David. And we reached this point. When we can no longer think of another person without thinking of that thing that they have or things that they have that we don't. So that, that name gets thrown out, that person gets thrown out, that example gets thrown out, or we see them on social media or whatever, and, and we instantly begin to think about what they have that we don't. That's that distorted view. And then the third level here that we see is, is when, when, uh, when fear enters in, fearful thoughts and actions. Uh, and resentment. Verse 10 uh, says, the next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul. I'm just going to pause on that real quick because that's a weird thing, isn't it? Like, I know I remember, remember reading that for the first time years ago. It's like, what is happening? What happened right here? Um, I'll talk about it in a little bit in a moment, but, um, but don't just skip over that. And he raved within his house. So he's running around screaming while David was playing the lyre as he did day by day. So David was playing to soothe Saul. It had worked in the past. Saul had his spear in his hand and he hurled the spear for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. So what happened is now, now uh, he went from comparing himself to David to having a, um, uh, to framing out his, his, his view of David to now having terrifying thoughts of David. David is, is, is the real issue in my life. 
He is the reason I'm not happy. Um, and this was uh, this this word harmful spirit that the um, th- that was sent from God. It says uh, is translated harmful, but it's a hard word to translate. It it doesn't mean evil. It doesn't mean wicked. It could better maybe be translated as as a terrifying spirit. So so God allowed this terrifying spirit to descend on Saul in this moment. Saul was terrified of David. He was terrified that that David's success would eclipse his, and he would he would become uh, he would he would pass away. He would be no longer significant. I know this feels way out of line with with what we would ever do. I know feeling terrified about someone else and hurling a spear at them is like, well, I, I wouldn't do that. Um, you know, I just envy them. Well, you know, it's it's when envy begins to emerge into. Um, to, to wanting to hurt the other person. wanting It's not simply, I want what they have. It is, I want them to not have what they have. I want them to lose what they have. And so, you know, we learned from the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said that if you look on someone else with hatred in your heart, you're guilty of murder. So envy is the same when we're looking at someone else and we wish they didn't have what they have. We're wishing ill on them. We're hating them. We're saying, I don't want you to be happy. I don't want you to have that thing. I don't want you to be blessed in a way that I am not blessed. And so we could feel, this is when we could feel a little bit of delight if they lost it, right? That evil feeling of like, hey, you know what? She's so pretty. I wish she'd fall on her face. You know, or, you know, he's so successful, um, you know, such a respected athlete, you know, it'd be a shame if he blew out his knee, you know, and we, we don't say that out loud. Come on, like, seriously, that's, that's mean. People would see right through that, but that doesn't mean the feeling's not in our heart. And we're reaching that point. Envy has taken root and it is thriving in us. And one more point here. I'm not saying this always fosters uh, demonic work. But I will say, uh, this is a unique situation, this story of Saul, but, but I do believe it's very clear from Scripture, when you leave sin, when you have sin that is undealt with in your heart, it has taken root, it is growing, and you are not facing it, you are not confessing it, you are not bringing it out into the light, you're not engaging other people to help speak truth into it, you've got this pet sin over here, you're trying to manage it and deal with it yourself, and you're kind of going, well, you know, it's hard, I'm not working through it, but I'm going to kind of hang on to it, I, I I'm not going to let anybody else see it. I'm going to, this is my deal. Um, and the problem is that that is opening the door to demonic forces. I don't believe it necessarily means that demonic forces will hit everyone who doesn't, who's walking in unrepented sin or, or unconfessed sin but a, or a pattern of sin, but it invites them. It's like leaving your back door open to your house. It doesn't mean a thief is going to come in and steal, but when they, if they show up and they see the door unlocked and open, uh, what are they going to do? They're going to come in. It's an invitation, right? And so we have to deal with this. Um, and, and we have to, 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 the enemy will come and sow these seeds of envy in our own hearts. Listen, I'll tell you what, he whispers in your ear when you see that other person, you deserve that. Why, why did they get that? You didn't. That's how the enemy comes to us. And Saul, at this point, is completely absorbed in envy. And rather than seeing God's goodness and raising up David, he could only see David's success and praise as, in comparison to his own, as a threat to his own life and to his own happiness. So let's look at the cost of envy here. Uh, envy costs. It's easy, but it costs. 
It might be small at the beginning, but it increases over time. And the first thing that it robs, uh, that, that it costs is it robs God of glory. It robs God of glory because we can't look at the other person. We can't look at what's happening, what's being uh, honored or celebrated and, and honor God for it. In this passage, Saul, like, listen, the entire Israelite army, army was paralyzed in fear before their enemy, their powerful enemy, who had metal, who had swords, who had greater weapons than they did. And, and they were on the verge of being defeated and crushed by their enemy. But David stepped in and, and through a very clear miracle of God's grace in that moment, God working, delivered the entire army. And then the army went out and defeated the Philistines, right? So they came back into the city. This was a moment of joy. Not just joy of like, hey, look, we beat him, but joy towards God. These people, you forget, the, we, these people had a strong identity as the people of God under the God's king, uh, Saul. And so they would be celebrating God. They would be going, God, you delivered us. God, you were faithful. God, you were good. And what is Saul doing? Saul is sulking, right? He didn't see God's glory in David's victory. He took it and made it about himself. And this is what happened when God blesses someone else, but we let envy enter. We can't be happy that that person found a spouse. We can't be happy that that person got that promotion. We can't be happy that that person got into that program or, 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 or were able to buy a home or whatever it might be that we want. We can't. We can't give God glory for that because we're envying that person. And that leads into the second thing it costs. It robs us of joy. So it not only robs God of glory, we can't glorify God while we're envying someone. It also robs us of joy. Paul, uh, Saul in verse eight, it says he was angry and he was displeased. So again, this is a joyous day. Big day, awesome day. Saul should be happy. He should be happy that he, he is king of a kingdom that has been set free, that has defeated its enemies, and he should be celebrating, right? I mean, this is a great day. And he should be out there, and, and, and a secure leader can honor a, a gifted leader that's under them, right? That can celebrate them. Uh, but, but Saul didn't. Saul was threatened. Saul was like the, the five-year-old boy who went to his friend's crazy birthday party. And they had all these events and activities and games and all this awesome stuff was happening. And this five-year-old boy is sitting in the corner and he's mad because it's not his birthday. It's like he's, he's not gaining anything. He's robbing himself. It's costing him joy because he's envying what's happening rather than celebrating and enjoying what's happening. Listen, when you're living as king of your own little kingdom, then someone else can become a threat to you and a threat to your rule. And so you can't be live in joy of someone who, who, who has something you don't have when you've defined your life by not having that thing and you choose to live in misery in relation to it. The third cost we see here is it progressively consumes us. What began with some thoughts in Saul's mind grew into a consuming focus in his life. We're, we're not even going to be able to deal with it all today. It grows more and more as we read on in the life of David and Saul. Um, but this passage by itself is an excerpt, even the last phrase of like uh, Saul sending David out to go, you know what, I'm going to send him to go fight the Philistines because, I, you know, I tried to kill him. That didn't work. And, you know, that kind of looked bad if I actually did. So I'll just let the Philistines kill him. 
Like even that is just a, a, a just reveals the depth of the hatred um, in his life. Envy is like every other sin. If it's not rooted out, it will grow. It will consume. You do not get to have a pet sin in your life. You don't. You got to drag it out into the light. John Owen, the great uh, theologian, once said, "Be killing sin, or sin be killing you." So the question I have for you today is, is envy like a pet sin in your own life? Is it something that you've allowed to fester over here? And, and, and it's just because, well, you know, those are just thoughts that enter my mind sometimes. No, those are thoughts that enter your minds that shape your heart. We're formed by the way we think and the way we feel. And so if we're not uh, grabbing those things but, but, and, and taking them under the authority of the word of God and saying, no, that's not a good feeling. That's a sinful feeling. I need to repent of that feeling. Then we give opportunity for root, for envy here. Saul is a case study in envy. And envy is progressive and the cost is high. Um, In her book, uh, Seeing Green, Don't Let Envy Color Your Joy, Tilly Dillahay said, uh, envy is a perfect example of a slave master sin. It requires all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and delivers you nothing, not even a lighted pleasure center in return. You see, envy never gives you a satisfaction. And so it is a, it is really, this is crazy to talk about, but it's really an inwardly destructive sin that never, never sort of reaches satisfaction. The only way to get rid of envy is not to get the thing you long for. It is to kill envy inside you. It is to grab that envy. Because listen, if you envy someone else for something and you get that thing, then someday when that thing is not as exciting and not as much of a blessing to you, you're going to look for someone else. You're going to look for something else to envy. So let's talk about the envy, the elimination of envy, and we'll, we'll close. The elimination of envy. Now, elimination sound, almost sounded too nice. Uh, I wanted to put execution of envy here. Uh, people eliminate gluten because they have a sensitivity, right? Um, you know, it makes them a little, you know, gassy or, you know, go to the bathroom too much or whatever. I don't, I don't want to use that term, but it's, a, it's, I mean to get rid of it completely. It needs to be executed, uh, completely wiped out of our lives. Uh, it's dangerous, uh, we need to grab envy by the collar, address it for what it is, see it for what it is, and, and, and repent of it. Uh, it's a scary thing. Listen, to, uh, I don't even have time to do a survey of what the Bible says about envy. I'm like trying to bring some into this text. But one scary thing is in Galatians 5, where, where Paul's addressing the deeds of the flesh. Uh, envy is listed as one of those deeds of the flesh. And he says, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Which means you don't get to walk through life with envy. Because your envy growing in you reveals something dangerous about you. And that is that you're not ultimately walking by faith in God. You're not. You can't be envious of other people and still believe that God loves you and has good things in store for you. And that he himself is sovereignly ordaining your life. That that if he wanted you to have that thing, you would have that thing. No, those two ideas are mutually exclusive. And indeed, if you are envying someone else, you have, you're an idolater. You have turned that thing into that which gives your life meaning and purpose and hope. No, it's a serious sin. 
But before we, we talk about how to eliminate it, I, I did want to mention very quickly that there's another character in this chapter that we didn't talk about, we're actually going to talk about next week, that, that is a great example of someone who could be, maybe even had more reason to be envious than, than Saul, but chose not to be and chose, in fact, to embrace what God was doing in David's life. And that is Saul's son, Jonathan. In, in verses one through five, Saul's son, Jonathan, sees that God had blessed Jonathan. Now, they were peers, probably in the same age range. But Jonathan could see that God had blessed David and he knew that his hand was on David. And he said, you know what? I don't envy that. God is blessing him. I get to be a part of that. I get to enjoy that. I get to walk with him. So it says in verse three, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and his armor and even his sword and his bow and uh, and his belt. So he gave him all the, the royal garb that he was wearing. There was a privilege of the king's oldest son, who, by the way, should be the next king, right? If anyone had a reason to, to, to envy David, it would be Jonathan, but Jonathan chose not to. He saw this as a blessing, a blessing for Israel, a blessing for himself. And Saul could have responded the same way, but he didn't. So how do we eliminate envy? Well, I've already said it. You've got to have honest introspection. You've got to honestly look at your own heart. You've got to confess it. You've got to repent of it. And I will say this just you know, even through this study, it has, this has been really good for me to think about uh, how envy uh, has, has reared its head in my own life. Um, you know, I remember, uh, I'll just give you an example because I think it's good for pastors to, you know, be honest about their own struggles. Um, uh, and, and, and hopefully that encourages you to think about envy in your own heart. You know, I, I went to a small college in North Carolina, a small Baptist school named uh, Campbell. And uh, when I was there, uh, my sophomore year, God transferred in, and he was, uh, he'd been at Word of Life Bible Institute for a year, and then he transferred in. He was across the hall from me. Um, he's a strong Christian guy, and we, were, uh, we served on the um, you know, student uh, campus ministry leadership team together. We were, we were friends. Um, and you know, it was, we lost touch right after college. Uh, but it's interesting that it, it, this guy's name happens to be J.D. Greer. Um, and if you don't know J.D. Greer, J.D. Greer is, uh, is an author and pastor of one of the largest churches in the country. And I remember thinking as, as all this was blowing up for him, this was years ago when it first you know, kind of hit me. And I was like, man, look at him. He's getting to, his church is several thousand people. He's speaking all over the country. He's you know, writing books. Why, you know, why couldn't I do that? Why couldn't I have had that? Why, you know, why did he get that opportunity and not me? Why did he get, you know? And I, and I remember like, like that being in my heart and having to like realize what, well, it took years for me to realize that that's what was happening, uh, that that was framing out the way that I was viewing JD rather than being grateful for the life God had given me and the way God had blessed me and the opportunities God has given me. So being honest with yourself, confessing your sin. Also going forward, when you feel it rise up in your heart, how do you address it? And I love Tilly Dillahay's four suggestions here on how to fight envy with love. Number one, thank God for the success of the person you envy. Thank God for it. Praise God for it. Uh, ask God for further success of the person you envy. Boy, that's really digging in. But you're loving that person. You're going, God, I, I know I, I'm, I'm feeling this feeling, but I, I love them and I want them to succeed. Thirdly, enjoy the gifts God gave to the person you envy. So, so don't be jealous. Enjoy those things. Enjoy the, 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 what, what they've been blessed with. And then fourthly, praise the person you envy. 
So as you have opportunity, talk about them, praise them. And so, you know, for me to, to, to celebrate that, you know, J.D. Greer's had an incredible opportunity to testify to the gospel in spheres all over the world. I can be grateful for that. His books have gone uh, all over the world and have encouraged many people. Many people have come to faith and been encouraged in their faith through, through J.D.'s ministry. I can be grateful for that. Um, but I think the last, last part of this here that I want to, the way you fight envy is, is you've got to have a peace with who God made you to be. That as, as Rick Warren says, if you're not you, God made you to be you. If you're not you, who's, who's going to be you? Like he made you exactly the way that you are. All your gifts and strengths and yes, even your struggles and weaknesses because those things can show God's glory. That's the thing. We tend to look down on our weaknesses, tend to look down on our, our, our areas of struggle. And we need to realize, no, those are often the areas that God is going to be most glorified in because anything we would succeed, like he, he's faithful to carry us through and, 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 and be the strength that we need. Tony Evans uh, compares it to the difference between buying clothes off the rack that a lot of people wear, so you see someone else wearing, uh, or wearing clothes that are custom designed for you. He said this, there is no reason to try to be someone else or to live someone else's life. Why settle for off the rack living when there is an identity and destiny custom made for you? You see, you don't have to work for your life to have significance. You don't have to have this thing for your life to have meaning. You don't have to gain that thing or, or, or have that experience or that relationship for your life to have meaning and purpose. God knows you. He sees you. He made you. You're made in his image and, and he has redeemed you. And indeed, the, the, there's no reason to ever truly envy anyone else because the greatest thing that you could ever receive, the greatest gift that could ever be given to any human being on earth has been given to you. The son of God has died for you, you, not just generic people, but you specifically knowing you, seeing your sin. He took your sin on the cross. He has died as your substitute. He has given you eternal life. His love is on you. He is for you and nothing in this world can separate you from his love. You have been adopted into his family, made a citizen of his kingdom and it is an eternal kingdom. And for you right now here today, there is waiting for you in heaven an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading that God is protecting for you. He sees you, he knows you. And if you and I live with that deep sense of that, then why would we ever look at another human being and want something they have? Or at least live in envy of it. I'm not, I, God's not against good desires. If you're single, wanting to be married. If you don't own a home, being able to buy a home. If you don't have kids, being able to have kids. If you want that career, that, that promotion, wanting that promotion. There's a godly way. There's a godly ambition, right, for those things. But it's when we begin to define ourselves by the fact that we don't have those things that envy has entered in. And that's when we're no longer seeing what God has given us. And we're defining ourselves by what has not been given us. So I invite you today to repent. I invite you today to reflect on your own heart, your own sin in this area. Go before God, confess. I would encourage you to talk to others in your community group. Maybe you're not ready to talk to your whole community group about it, but maybe you can talk to another member of your community group and say, you know, I've really been struggling with envy over, over this would you pray for me? Would you encourage me? Would you speak the gospel to me and help hold me accountable that I'm not letting this sin just sort of fester in my own heart?
let's do that for each other. Let's care for each other. Let's encourage each other in this way. And all the more as we see the day of Christ approaching. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that um, your love is enough. That your grace, having come down, having redeemed us from, from sin and death, is enough. It is the thing that defines us. It is the source of our greatest hope. It is the root of our identity. And there is nothing in this world that can be added to that to make that more beautiful or better or more meaningful. So I pray today that we would dwell deeply and richly on the gospel. And that out of that, we'd be able to see the roots of envy in our own hearts and kill that sin before it destroys us. In your name we pray, amen.